Good morning, and welcome to Mayflower on this beautiful morning. I'd like to begin our service by introducing our choir director, Scott Bosher, to the pulpit to give us our moment for music. Good morning. This morning, Julia is in Eugene, Oregon, and she's with her former community of faith. They're offering concerts tonight and tomorrow, and I'm sure she will bless them with her wonderful talents and her gifts. Uh, Stepping in to help us lead worship here this morning at Mayflower is Carol McNally, and on behalf of our congregation and choir, Carol, thank you so much for helping us lead our worship this morning. Our focus today is on Christ's command to care for each other deeply, feed my sheep, And because growing hearts of compassion and caring knows no bounds of age, Abby is bringing our youth choirs to join with our adult choir this morning to form one voice, to combine with us and to sing the song On Eagle's Wings, which speaks of God's incredible love and compassion and care for his whole world. As you hear these wonderful words of God's caring for us this morning, look in the faces of the ages all the way across the spectrum and realize this is what a caring community looks like. And we are so blessed by all of our members. Feed my sheep. Thank you, Scott. During Sunday school today, all the children will be planting flowers that we would love to bless all of the ladies here at church with. So please come to the atrium after the service and take your flower. A church that prays together stays together. If you have a prayer request, please share it with us on the prayer cards that are in front of you in the pew. And those will be collected during the second hymn today. Take a minute to look through your bulletin. There's lots of exciting announcements. It's fun and exciting time to be a part of Mayflower Church. Our series, Parting Words from a Risen Christ, continues today with his command to feed my sheep. As we begin our worship today, quietly look around at our Mayflower family gathered here this morning and realize how blessed we are for our feeders of sheep who quietly live and move and work here in this place. Blessed are the ones we overlook, the faithful servers on the coffee rota, The ones who hold no candle, bell, or book, but keep the books and tally up the quota. The gentle souls who come to do the flowers, 
the quiet ones who organize and patiently wait. Church sitters who give up their weekday hours. Doorkeepers who may open heaven's gate. God knows the depths that often go unspoken amongst the shy, the quiet, and the kind. Or the slow healing of a heart long broken. Placing each flower so for a year's mind. Invisible on earth, without a voice. In heaven, their angels glory and rejoice. And so we begin our time of worship today by giving thanks for each and everyone gathered here who continue to heed his call, feed my sheep. Let us pray. When the joyous music of Easter has been stilled, when the cross adorned with fresh spring blooms has been taken down, when our gathered family and friends have gone home, when we are back to our schedules, the work of our risen Christ begins. To welcome the refugee, feed my sheep. 
to heal a broken planet, feed my sheep. To feed the hungry, feed my sheep. To build bridges of trust and not walls of fear, feed my sheep. To share our gifts, feed my sheep. To seek justice and peace for all people, feed my sheep. To bring Christ's light to the world, feed my sheep. Grant us, Lord God, this vision of your world as your love would have it, a world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor, a world where riches of creation are shared and everyone can enjoy them, a world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect, a world where peace is built and justice, and justice is guided by love. Give us inspiration and courage as we strive to bring heaven to earth now and to build such a world as you would have us build. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
I'd like to invite all the children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message at this time. Good morning. It's so wonderful to see everyone this morning. So here at Mayflower, we have a common way that we often pray. But I don't know if you realize that there are so many different ways to pray. So here, what? how do we normally pray? If I say... Let's pray. What do we do? We put our hands together. We bow our heads. We close our eyes. But sometimes we have things inside of our hands and inside of our hearts that we want to give to God. So there's another way to pray that perhaps you sometimes see Pastor Ruth praying with your hands out, so that we not only can lift our praises and lift our joys up to God, but with our hands wide open, we are more open to receive all of God's blessings. So today, all of us are going to practice praying with our hands lifted high, our heads bowed, to receive all that God has for us on this beautiful, beautiful morning. So will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God that loves us and that we can do one small thing by changing the position of our hands to receive your blessing and to give you all of our joy and praise on this glorious, sunny Mother's Day morning. May you continue to grow in us and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, friends. If you are four years old or five years old, I'm going to have you stand up, and you are going to go with Mrs. Coster to Bible Beginnings. Perfect. You are going to go right there. If you are in the choir, you... Awesome. All right. If you are in first grade, second grade, third grade, or fourth grade, stand on up. And you are going to go downstairs with Mrs. Wiener to the Fellowship Hall for Bible Alive. You're six? Cool. Let's go this way. And everybody else, you guys can stand and head down to Sunday school.
The scripture reading this morning is found on page 769 of your Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Um, The scripture reading is John chapter 21, verses 9 through 17, but I'm going to step backwards for a minute and talk about verse 8, because it explains that Simon Peter and six of the disciples are out fishing. Beginning with chapter, with verse 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, you know everything, and you know that we love you. We echo Peter's words, and we hear your instruction that we are to feed your sheep. Help us to understand what this means, and help us to know how to live the kind of lives that draw us closer to you. This is our heart's desire. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight today and always. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day, and it's a sermon about feeding. That seems kind of apropos, doesn't it? I personally do not feed sheep or any kind of livestock, but I am the mother of a seventh-grade son, and he loves to have his friends over. They use and abuse our basketball hoop and our hot tub and the wiffle ball bats and all the things. They run around our house and our yard And they create a general mayhem, and actually it's quite entertaining. But most of all, they eat. A lot. They know where all the snacks are stored, and they help themselves to the juice boxes and the Gatorades and the sodas that are in the kid fridge. We often have a table full at dinner, especially on the weekends. It could be a lot of work and kind of expensive. 
but I love it and I consider it a privilege. You know, food and celebration kind of go together, don't they? And isn't it interesting how it's food that comes up when we want to do something, like when there's a new birth or a death in the family, when tragedy strikes and we can't fix the problem, we often respond by bringing food. Like things might be bad, but at least no one will go hungry. There's something holy about feeding others and bringing nourishment, something sacred about sitting around a table or on a picnic blanket or around a campfire. The Gospels all include stories of Jesus sharing meals with people. He broke bread. He turned water into wine. And at one dinner, he chastised Martha for working too hard. He also taught about a special kind of food. He called himself the bread of life. He told his followers not to work for the food which perishes, but for food which endures to eternal life, which he would provide. So when Jesus mentioned food and feeding, he often meant this both in the literal and a figurative sense. So what on earth does he mean when he tells Peter to feed his sheep? This morning's scripture passage is chock full of all kinds of fascinating details and layers of meaning. To organize just a few of these layers, I want to address four F's from this account in John chapter 21. Full name, fire, fish, and feeding. Four F's. Got it? We begin our reading today in John 21, verse 9, which is kind of in the middle of this fishing story, as Linda explained. It's evening, and a few of the disciples decide to go fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They don't catch anything all night. And in the morning, Jesus hollers at them from the beach, inquiring about their success. They admit they have nothing to show for their efforts, and Jesus tells them to try again. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. So they do this, and surprise, they bring in a haul. Our narrative picks up this morning with them returning to shore with their tremendous load of fish. And Jesus is on the beach cooking them breakfast. Jesus is feeding them. They recognize him as Lord and sit down to enjoy this impromptu meal. So they get done with breakfast, and Jesus and Peter have some business to tend to. Jesus addresses Peter as Simon, son of John. Why doesn't he just call him Peter? Are you ever addressed by your full name? First F, full name. Ruth Eileen Bell Olson. What's your middle name, Rachel? Rachel Renee Cooley. Scott? Scott Allen Bosher. Right? Do you, have you ever had a parent call you by your first name, full, full name? Are you a parent? You've called your child by their full name? What does this imply? There's usually a certain tone that goes with this, right? When you call someone by their full name, you are serious. Jesus is getting serious with Peter. 
Three times he calls Peter, Simon, son of John. And what is the question that follows? Do you love me? Three times. Clearly, three is an important number throughout Scripture. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Past, present, future. Thought, word, deed. Jesus rose on the third day. Three is thought of as the number of divine perfection. Three is also the number of times Peter betrayed Jesus. A few chapters back in the book of John, chapter 18, the soldiers arrest Jesus and take him before the high priest. Peter is left standing outside where he is asked three times if he is one of Jesus' disciples. Three times he denies that he is. What might Jesus be doing by asking Peter three times if he loves him. How must Peter have felt after his betrayal? Pretty horrible, right? How could he have done this? How could he have turned his back on the Savior, especially in a time of need? What kind of disciple was he? The shame that Peter carried must have been enormous. Perhaps by asking Peter three times if he loves him, Jesus is working to unravel and unbind Peter from this shame. And this is serious. Have you ever done something or said something that betrayed another person, betrayed yourself, or betrayed God? It's a horrible feeling to sit with. The regret can be overwhelming. Picture Peter facing Jesus and at the same time facing his deep regret and shame. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus asks. Yes, you know that I love you. Jesus respond, Peter responds. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Jesus is using Peter's full name, asking three times, to make sure Peter understands the gravity of his restoration as a disciple. And Jesus is doing this around a fire. Full name, fire. One detail that's mentioned in John chapter 18 at the time of Peter's betrayals is that it was cold. And Peter was warming himself by a fire. Verse 18 of that chapter reads, Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Why might fire be significant? Well, of our five senses, which is the most powerful? Smell. Think about how a scent can trigger a distinct memory. And here Peter finds himself again next to a fire as Jesus cooks the fish. What memory might have been flooding back to him? What else do we know about fire? Fire can destroy. Fire can obliterate. It can turn something beautiful into ashes fast. Like shame can. Shame can destroy and obliterate our self-worth, our sense of purpose. 
Yet fire can also provide warmth. It can bring people together. It can be a delight when contained and controlled. Fire can also refine. Fire can burn off dross and excess dirt to make something shine. Maybe the fire in these two accounts from the book of John of Peter's betrayal and restoration demonstrate how fire has the capacity to burn us right up. But when Jesus controls the fire, we can come out of the flames better, more refined, less hindered, cleaner, and clearer. Perhaps Jesus asking Peter if he loves him is the invitation through the fire. Now Peter can enter a new phase of ministry without the guilt, the shame, and the embarrassment of his betrayal. Is there a fire you have gone through? Or one you have yet to go through? Is it time to be refined? As we pour over this beach breakfast scene, we also see fish. Full name, fire, fish. Jesus is cooking fish, and he's giving fishing instructions. The fishing was not going well until Jesus arrived. Once the disciples follow Jesus' instructions to cast their net over the right side of the boat, their net becomes full. It's so full, it's near bursting. And the fish total is 153. Now, that's a very specific number of fish, isn't it? Why does John write that there were 153? We know three is an important number in Scripture, but 153? Is there some biblical insight regarding the multiplication of 17 and 9? Believe me, biblical scholars have gone around and around and around about that. The ways those numbers can be manipulated to find meaning, perhaps that's true. But there's another fascinating insight from the 4th century biblical scholar Jerome. He cites the ancient poet Opian as listing 153 species of fish in his ancient text. Now, there's debate on whether or not Opian really documented this. However, in the ancient world, when John's gospel was first circulating, this idea that every species of fish was included in that almost bursting net of a disciple fisherman has significance, doesn't it? That Jesus' instructions would have yielded every species of fish, figuratively or literally, has great implications to the inclusivity of his message. The great feast Jesus prepares is for everyone, all species, all people, all kinds, no exception. In our modern era, we know that there are more than 32,000 species of fish. So perhaps what's remarkable about the number is that the disciples counted them. There, was, there were so many fish and they were so astounded, they actually took the time in their amazement to count them. What is of note in this passage is that the fishing was not going well until Jesus gave the instruction. And once he did... The results were beyond what the disciples could have imagined. This, of course, is a lesson for all of us. Whose instructions are we following? Who do we trust to feed us? Full names, fire, fish, and feeding. 
In our final words series here at Mayflower, we are studying the final words of Jesus post-resurrection and pre-ascension. What were his last teachings while on earth? How might we apply these teachings to our own lives? After asking Peter three times if he loves him, and Peter assuring Jesus that he does, the instructions all three times are to feed his sheep. If Peter loves Christ, then he has a job to do. If we love Christ, then we have a job to do. Feed and nourish the sheep. We can pose this question two different ways. How am I being fed and nourished? And who am I feeding and nourishing? Peter followed Jesus very closely during his three years of earthly ministry. Jesus taught and lived by example the way to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus spiritually fed Peter. How are we being fed? Are we putting ourselves in places of blessing? Maybe that's here in a Sunday morning church service. Maybe it's serving others in our community. Maybe it's joining groups that study scripture. Surrounding ourselves with people who spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Are we aware and are we seeking spiritual nourishment for ourselves? And then we ask, who are we feeding? Again, this is literal and figurative. Who needs food, clothing, shelter, access to resources? And who needs encouragement? A listening ear. Who needs to hear that they are loved by a creator God who sent Jesus to bring salvation to all? Jesus asks if we love him, and then he says, feed my sheep. This is our invitation if we love God. This is love in action. I got an email this week from Brian, who's one of our contacts at Bethany Christian Services. He asked if I would let you all know that they desperately need mentors. They have programs for youth who are aging out of foster care. He wrote this to me. We are looking for support coaches to walk alongside youth in one of the following aspects. Small group support, one mentor per three youth, or one-on-one support, which would entail support with navigating life, college career choices, shared life lessons, etc. We are asking for mentors who can commit to 12 months of engagement, four hours per month. That's one hour per week. I hope your heart breaks open when you think of these young adults who have bounced through our foster care system and now need help navigating life. What an opportunity to feed some sheep. Perhaps there are opportunities to feed sheep right in front of you. And maybe this can be your prayer this month for God to show you who are those sheep you need to be feeding. Perhaps today God is calling you by your full name to sit by the fire, to count the fish, and to feed those he brings into your life. When I look around my kitchen table at the middle school boys God has brought into my home in this season, I celebrate that I get to feed them. I get to listen to their funny stories and their really bad jokes. And with every pan of taquitos and mini pizzas, I pray that I am feeding them the love of Christ. Do you love me, the Savior asks, then feed my sheep.
In the name of the Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of my favorite parables that Jesus taught about was the mustard seed. Did you know that under ideal conditions, a mustard tree can grow to be 30 feet tall? That's six of me. We are told that not only our faith, but also our offerings have the ability to grow in ways that we can never imagine. As we give our offerings this morning... May we pray that they are blessings that will care for our church and reach way beyond our walls.
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of your church and that we are able to be here together to worship. May our gifts and tithes be blessings that reflect your love and your passion for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit, it has been over two years since we have done this. We would like to pass the peace today. This is a time where we turn and we say, peace be with you, and we respond also with you. I can tell that you're a little bit out of practice, (laughs) and normally it's kind of noisy when you do this, and I realize that for some of you it's super uncomfortable. We don't know how to do this anymore, right? Do we do an elbow? Do we do a distant wave? It's okay. However you need to do this, you may be seated. We have to learn how to be, don't we, in this new, new world, how to be safe and how to love each other well and how to do things like pass the peace. Before we go to our congregational prayer, I want to acknowledge the last few weeks, I have been to two memorial services for friends who've lost their moms. So for many people today, it's just such a fun day. You're going to go to brunch, and it's going to be flowers and cards and all that stuff. But for many of us, today is an incredibly painful day. So as we pray as a community, we can hold this juxtaposition, can't we? But there are things we can celebrate, and we also can hold this great pain. That's why we give it all to God, right? So let's pray together. Oh, Holy One, we sit in gratitude for the joy you bring us, for the mothers that have mothered well, for the ways in which we have been mothered by others in beautiful ways. So we thank you and we celebrate that. We also acknowledge, Lord, that we live in a broken world, and a day like Mother's Day can hold so much pain. And so as we turn our palms upward to you, we say, take the pain and do what you're going to do with it. For those who've lost a child, those who are desperately wanting a child, for those who've lost a mom, for those who are in conflict with their mom, and all the spaces in between, Lord. Do something with that pain. Create in us hearts of compassion. Create in us hearts like yours. We know this is a world of conflict and relationships are so tricky. So help us to be the kind of people who are ambassadors of peace in the midst of the brokenness. I pray for my friends Dale and Darcy who lost their moms in the last few weeks. And others that I'm not mentioning by name. Lord, bring your hand of comfort and blessing on their hearts on this poignant day as they navigate life now without their mom. I thank you for this community that prays together, this community that loves each other, that as awkward as it may be, we're trying to extend peace to one another. And Lord, we know you are the ultimate mother, the ultimate source of peace. So as we sing our response, as we sing together, the first line is, come and fill our hearts with your peace. So, Lord, we pray that this morning that our hearts will be full of your peace.
come and fill our hearts with your peace, Lord. We acknowledge, acknowledge you as the ultimate father and mother. And as we pray together the Lord's Prayer, may our hearts continue to be full of your peace. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
Don't forget to get your flowers from the atrium. (laughs) And as a benediction, may you hear God call you by your full name, because God is serious. Serious about taking you through the fire so that you can count the abundant fish and you can be prepared to be so fed by the beautiful love of Christ that it pours out of you so you can feed others. Go in peace. Amen.